Here we are now with another episode of the Andrew Lake Podcast. If you are a regular listener of the Andrew Lake Podcast, please share your favourite episode as this will help me find my audience. This will help to find the people who are ready to hear what we are talking about here. And today, I'd like to talk about generating sankharas and burning sankharas. This is a massive topic. This is a huge issue. And it gets straight to the core of your experiencing of life. It gets straight at your habits, your feelings, your actions, your behaviors, your drives, your desires. It is fundamental. And of course I'm speaking about it because of my own personal experiences. This is something that I wish I'd understood sooner. I wish I'd had more insight into than I do now at different times earlier. And where does this come from, these terms? Well, these are Pali terms or Sanskrit terms. Sankaras, and I heard these terms during a Vipassana retreat. So it's, these are Buddhist principles. These are Vipassana principles. So if you're familiar with Vipassana meditation, this is one of the things that you learn about. This is one of the principles, one of the tenets. Well, I shouldn't say one of the tenets because there is actually an official set of tenets. So these are just one of the principles. This is just what we're talking about here. And I learned about this on one of my Vipassana retreats with S.N. Goenka. So he's a prominent speaker on Vipassana. And you can find out more from him. And I highly recommend the teachings of S.N. Goenka if his style resonates with you. He's definitely a very prominent teacher of meditation and Buddhist principles. So sankharas, essentially, as Sengo Enka puts it, is the habit pattern of the mind. It's the patterns that the mind is in. And this is where we get into generating sankharas and burning sankharas. And really, I like to think of this not just as thought, Because for me, thought is only just a component of our phenomenon. It's just a component. It's just one part of our subjective experience of reality. So it really is tied in with behaviors, with feelings, with desires, with drives. And I believe that's how S.N. Goenka means it. He means not just habit pattern of the mind, but also more broadly just the habit pattern of everything that you are, the habituation of your being. Now, when we generate sankharas, we're generating habits. And this is huge. This happens in so many ways. In the most obvious way, it happens in addiction. You do a behavior, particularly with food, Food is a good example. You eat a certain food 
and that habituate you. It puts you into the habit of having it. Your taste buds adjust. Your sensations in the mouth adjust. Your digestion system system adjusts. It's a bit of a tongue twister, isn't it? Your digestion system adjusts. <laughs> Give that one to those who are learning English as a second language. <laughs> and then there's also the experience, though. There's the feeling that you get from smelling the food, eating the food, digesting the food, and being without the food. There's also a before and after the food. There's also the environment of when you're having the food. And all these things, they're, they're right on top of you. They're right there. And the more you do something, well, the more you're habituated to it. Now, of course, there is a spectrum of things that are addictive and not. There is a biological component to addiction. There's also a chemical component to addiction. So we're not equating a smoking addiction with eating donuts. Now, they both are addictions. They both are things that habituate you. They're thought patterns of the mind. They, well, they generate sankharas. But we still need to understand that there are degrees within that. But what we're working with is just this realization that it's a habit. Just this realization that the more you're doing it, the more you want to do it. And this happens with behaviors. It happens with dialogue. It happens with relationships. It happens with the places that you go. It happens with your emotions, with your moods. And all these things are sort of working together and putting themselves into these habits. You're really just maintaining your habits. Imagine that as a life. Imagine that as a daily practice. Maintaining your habits. Feeding your habits. That's how you describe someone with a hardcore drug addiction, with like a real hard drug like meth or ice or speed or cocaine. When these addictive chemicals are in someone and they have the habit of it, all they can do is wake up and search for their way to feed their addiction. And it's so destructive. It's so, it's so dangerous. There's so much in it. Now, I'm not personally, I don't consider myself personally experienced with hardcore addictions like drugs, but I have had my addictions. And really, we're talking about all the, the, the entire spectrum of addictions. So not just the hard addictions, but also the subtle addictions. Things like certain hand movements. Things like certain sights. Things like certain smells. Things like thought patterns. You can be addicted to certain thought patterns. And this idea of generating sankharas is, well, applicable to the whole spectrum of addictions and patterns and habits. Now, we have the other side. 
of sankharas. If all that is generating sankharas, we also have burning sankharas. And this is where the meditation comes in. This is what the meditation is all about. This is what Vipassana is all about. And this is something S.N. Goenka points out. Because he says that you stop the addictive behavior. You force yourself behaviorally to stop it. And that's what the meditation retreat is good for. Because you're in a whole new environment. It's a controlled environment. It's scheduled. It's structured. Everything's taken care of for you. And it is set for you to stop your addictive behaviors. Now, Vipassana is not used for hardcore drug addiction withdrawals or uh, rehabilitation. So if you're on a hard drug or you're on some sort of hardcore addiction, they're not going to put you through a meditation course. This is more for the subtle addictions. And they make sure of that. That's actually part of the process. There's a screening process. They ask you about your history. They ask you about your details, your situation, your addictions, all sorts of things. Because it is not for people who have just come off heroin or meth or cocaine. Because there are deeper processes that have to be at work. There are deeper institutions and structures that you need in order to go through that. But that aside, you're still going to feel it. Everyone in some sort of way feels the burning of sankharas. It's when they stop, you stop your addictive behaviors, and then the cravings set in. And oh my God, the cravings, the cravings, that feeling, that feeling like That thing, if you could just get that thing, it would be the greatest thing in the world. All your problems would be solved and it would just be this glorious thing. What an incredibly, just, ah, amazing. If I could just have one more of that one thing that I've been so addicted to, I can't believe I've been three days without one of those. That's what you'll be thinking on the third day of your Vipassana retreat. (laughs) and there really is so much in this because this is burning sankharas this is when you stop it and you have the repercussions of stopping it and your whole body your biology your mind your neurons your taste buds your senses your sights your your ears everything is being rewired and it's a painful process It's a burning. It's a destruction. And this is pointed out by S.N. Goenka. He makes it actually very funny. (laughs) He turns it into a joke and sort of has a bit of a laugh like, you know, I don't need to get into his jokes. They're there for him to tell. (laughs) But it's very funny in the way that he explains that, well, the, the students are sitting there and just burning themselves. But of course, to be in that position, oh my God, it is, well, it's just, it's just painful. And that is burning sankharas. That is the work of meditation. That is the progress of meditation. Now, there's more to the story. It might sound like, okay, so you've got generating sankharas, 
and you've got burning sankaras. And that's what we're dealing with. Not quite. There's more to the story. Once you have burnt your sankaras, and depending on what it is, and how long you've been doing it, will depend on how long it takes to burn it, and what it's like and what it feels like. But once it's burned, there's a period where you're not addicted, but the thing that you were addicted to feels good. It feels enticing. It feels satisfying. And with certain substances, it actually tastes better. It tastes better because you have reset your taste buds. You've reset your mind. You've reset your patterns. And your perceptions have opened up. So that thing that you used to be addicted to, which you now no longer have cravings for, actually becomes something even better than it was when you were addicted to it. How about that for temptation? How about that for being able to fall back into your old habits? And it's so devilish. It is so tricky, this one. And the further step and the thing you must know, and this is the key insight for today's conversation, this is the secret of today's conversation. And it is that if you persist in the burning of the sankaras, you'll reach a point where that thing actually doesn't feel as good as it used to. If you push through that part, where it's now something that you're not addicted to, and yet it still tastes as good or better than it did when you were addicted to it, you will reach a point where that thing no longer tastes that good. You'll actually be so conscious that there will be a repulsion to that thing. And this is shocking to understand. This is shocking to find. Because it means there are things that you like only because you're addicted to them. You're addicted to those things as habits and you only like them because you're habituated to them. And this is shocking. This is, well... In my experience, I've found quite a lot of outrage. I've found a lot of disgust with myself. I've been quite angry with myself at times. I've really thought, why can't I just stop this? And then on the other side, I've thought, well, I may as well enjoy it, right? I really must enjoy what I'm going through. If I'm addicted to it, I may as well enjoy it. But do you really enjoy it? That's the question. If you could only know what you really enjoyed, if you could really sense it, and the moment when you kill an addiction for good is when you have that thing and you know consciously, so clearly, that you don't enjoy it. There's nothing good about it. Now, that also is not to rule out the understanding that there's something good about it. 
That's not to rule out the understanding that you have in the past got something from it. Because every substance gives you something. It gives you something that you want, something that you like. And I use the word want and like in the broadest possible meaning. And S.N. Goenka has a wonderful way of explaining this, which is that he says you're addicted to the feeling, not the substance. You're addicted to the sensation that it creates, not the actual substance itself. And it's so funny that the only way to stop an addiction is to stop doing it and become conscious. Now, it can be that with certain things you don't become conscious. And in that sense, the addiction isn't really cured. Like, it is possible to never drink again and yet to always want a drink. It's the meditation that causes that difference. It's consciousness that causes that difference. To not want to drink and to never drink again, that's very different to still having that craving, still having that desire. And the work is all in doing the meditation that burns the sankharas. It burns the patterns. And so many people I've heard who I've talked about meditation with have said, oh, I sit down to meditate and I I just can't sit still. I'm not that kind of guy. I've heard that before. I'm sure you have too. Maybe you are that person. But that's misunderstanding this thing of burning sankharas. Of course you're not that kind of guy because you've got all these habits. And sometimes it's not as simple as, oh, I've got a hard addiction habit. Sometimes you don't even know what your habits are. You don't know how bad the food is that you eat. You don't know how bad the internet consumption that you do is. And there are all sorts of addictions. There are all sorts of things that can cause these habits. And it is quite difficult because so many of those things that are not so good for us are readily available. They're very accessible, at least in the society and the culture in which I live. It's just down the road and it's cheap. It's cheap cost. And by understanding these, you really start to see, like if you can see the importance of these and if you really know how to apply it, then you can make huge leaps and bounds in your personal development in your approach to waking up, to growing up, to becoming more conscious, more aware. And it does take a kind of ruthlessness. It does take a kind of determination. Determination is another big thing that S.N. Goenka talks about. I don't want to give too much away. (laughs) I don't want to reveal too much. But if you want to know about determination, I highly suggest you do a 10-day Vipassana course with S.N. Goenka. If you do that, you will will learn things about 
D uh, man, I can't even say it. You will learn things about determination that you would have not had any idea about. And the ruthlessness of that determination is determined by your sankharas. The whole nature of your determination is predicated on your sankharas, your desires. Release yourself from desires. How is that for a Buddhist principle? One of the images that Vipassana meditation uses is that of a wheel, which is the wheel of life. And the whole story there is that you should come off the wheel. And there's this picture of the wheel just going around and around and around. The same thing over and over again. And that's habit. That's generating sankharas. Wake up, feel the craving. Seek out that thing. Fulfill the craving. And there's another way to look at this. There's another thing that I think can help with this. And that is what I call baseline theory. Now, baseline theory is where you say, okay, so I've got life and I've got ups and downs. I've got things that make me feel good, things that I don't like. And let's just work with what I'm dealing with. And baseline theory says, what if I had a baseline which was the same all the way through? What if I just had this steady constant? Now, of course, the first objective is then the first, ob wait, objective? Objective? The first objection. <laughs> Whoa, cognitive fart. The first objective objection there <laughs> the first objection to this baseline theory is well then won't everything be boring won't everything be the same and i'll have no ups and downs i love the ups and downs i love the highs and the lows it's my thrill and the answer is no because that's not exactly what a baseline is what a baseline is is a point of contrast to your ups and downs and when you have a baseline you actually see the differences much more clearly in your ups and downs. You see them for what they are. You see them for how they're really affecting you. Now, to develop a baseline, you need to burn your sankharas. You need to have time where you don't have the ups and downs by way of contrast. And it might be that it takes quite a while for you to develop that. It might be that you don't quite see the value in that. And actually, when you've done this in an experienced way and you've actually made some way with it, your baseline isn't the boring part. It's actually not a, a, a low part. Baseline is not a neutral. It's actually a high. And that baseline actually turns into your your normal, and your normal is actually the high. And you don't have the ups and downs, you just have the highs. And that's one of the beautiful things about meditation. That's one of the things that 
allows you to get more of the juice out of life because you're seeing how these highs, these things that you're trying to get to give you these ups, don't really do it. And there comes a point where it's so temporary and it costs so much by the way of come down or hangover or withdrawals or cravings that it's just not worth it. You're so conscious that to go out and eat that donut doesn't seem right. And you could say, well, maybe to quit an addiction, you need to quit a lot of times. You need to go through the withdrawals consciously and actually have that pain as a punishment to make it real to you. And that might be a cruel but true way of explaining why people have to quit certain addictions again and again. And the question is, why can't you learn your lesson? Why can't you just be conscious enough? Why can't you be wise enough to see the value of meditation? Why can't you be wise enough to see that there are principles that can really help? And it's not a simplistic principle. This idea of burning sankharas, it accounts for a fair amount of pain and suffering. Vipassana is not completely deaf to the suffering that comes in the process of waking up. It's aware of these things. In fact, the first Buddhist principle is life is suffering. And in this idea of burning sankharas, you see that as an active theory or practice, actually making some way towards consciousness. You actually see the knowledge of Buddhism, the theory of Buddhism being enacted in a practice that has real results. Now, of course, we can also critique Buddhism. We can also have a discussions about its shortcomings. But that's a conversation for another day. That's not the conversation we're having right here. So keep in mind this idea of generating sankharas and burning sankharas. And understand that these things, these principles, are so important. And it only hits home more how important it is to meditate. And if you've got these things in mind, then you can understand what is happening with your meditation. You can understand what you're going through. If you sit down and you say, oh, I'm not that kind of guy, I just can't meditate. Oh, it's just too hard for me. I can't sit still, or oh, my mind goes crazy, or whatever. Well, now you understand what's happening there, and you know that you need to persist. You need to see that a addiction is 
Well, it's being burnt off. And of course, sometimes it's clear to you what kind of addiction it is. You say, well, this is my coffee withdrawals, or this is my nicotine withdrawals, or whatever. And yet other times it's just discomfort. Other times it's just irritation. And that's when you're burning something that, well, you didn't know you had and you don't need. So these have been a few thoughts about the Buddhist principles of generating sankharas and burning sankharas. It's something I'm very passionate about. It's something I have simply, oh, like my own story. I mean, that also is a... A story for another day. <laughs> let's not get it. Let's let's not make this about me. <laughs> but it's just, it's just one of the central things to my whole story. And I'm saying it now to remind myself just as much as it is to remind you. So, thanks very much for tuning in. This has been the Andrew Lake podcast, and that's all I have to say. For now.